0: listening to The Week Ahead Podcast from Strong Towns, hosted by me, Rachel Quedno. This is your chance to catch up on the latest events and goings-on behind the scenes of the Strong Towns organization. Tune in every Monday for more updates. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Week Ahead Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel, and my guest today is my colleague, Kia Wilson. Kia, welcome back to The Strong Towns Podcast.
1: Hi, Rachel. How are you doing?
0: I am pretty good. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what you've been up to lately um, for people that haven't been tuned in to everything you've been doing, um, especially what have you been up to kind of behind the scenes at Strong Towns?
1: Yeah. So I guess in my life, I'm in the process of hopefully buying a four-family building and expanding my uh, footprint as the smallest of small developers. I own a duplex right now, and I'd like to own a building I don't live in um, in the future. Yeah. And this, behind the scenes at Strong Towns, I've been really excited about all of the movement on the Strong Towns message in the St. Louis region where I live. And I'm really excited to talk about some of the things that you guys have in that has been provoked by articles that we've written and that have uh, especially led to strong towns being seen in our local media.
0: You've written recently about a couple different street issues in your hometown, including a traffic calming measure that wasn't received super well by everyone in the city, uh, and then also a dangerous intersection that could use a redesign. Um What got you thinking about these articles beyond the fact that we've been talking about this issue for the last several weeks on Strong Towns, um, but what got you specifically thinking about it in your city?
1: Right. So I'll talk about the traffic calming measure first. So I live in a neighborhood called Fox Park in St. Louis, and we recently saw a cool traffic calming measure that has been maybe not so lovingly nicknamed the Ingrassia Balls. They are very large concrete spheres that were um, put in, not directly, but by our local alder Person, her name is Christine Gracia, and these were a really cool, I think, strongtown-style project that were the result of a participatory budgeting process. It's something that the community directly asked for, and um, because of the kooky way that our city does pedestrian and bike coordination, which is to say, at the moment, not at all, we don't have a coordinator. Um, we were able to put it in directly, and the response to this locally has been kind of nuts. Like there have been article after article about how these balls are either the best thing since sliced bread or the worst thing they're out to kill you in your cars um, they there's mm-hmm. certainly uh, changing the face of our neighborhood in a lot of ways. And the, the kind of straw that broke the camel's back for me was a specific segment on a local news station that was a piece of gotcha journalism about being grassy balls. It was this guy in, like, blade-style sunglasses, like, taking them off and saying, you paid for it. The segment's called You Paid For It, where they... Put on um, various infrastructure projects or other thing programs that um, city taxes have paid for, and show why it's a terrible thing. And there were all these like really fear long shots of semi-trucks, you know, struggling to make the turn. And it was just set in a tone that you don't usually see applied to something as simple as, you know, a concrete sphere in lieu of a curb bump out, which is a pretty banal thing when it comes down to it. No one has died as a result of these concrete balls. And in fact, fewer people will die because of these concrete balls. So I wrote a response yeah. to it, um, in large part because we were talking about the Slow the Cars campaign at Strong Towns that month. And one aspect of slowing the cars is community pushback. There are I've really not seen a lot of projects around um, traffic calming and pedestrian infrastructure that haven't upset at least a few drivers. And that's because we live in a world that's largely built for drivers and they're not used to change. So I wanted to talk about some real practical on the ground ways that the city could have done a little bit better in the rollout of this project um, and ways that we can be conscious of how we know the practical realities when the rubber meets the road of actually slowing the cars. So that project was a lot of fun. I could talk a little bit about the Grand and Magnolia intersection project too, but um, yeah, tell me a little bit more about what you want to hear. I'm curious what we're interested in talking about today.
0: Yeah, um, I think one of the things that stood out about both of these pieces is that they had a really participatory angle to them, Um, and a lot of the issues, not a lot, but some of the issues that we deal with at Strong Towns, um, things like debt and housing affordability can end up feeling kind of challenging for regular people to intervene in because they seem like they're controlled by the government or big developers, and they require a lot of money and power to intervene in. Um, but it seems like Safe Streets is a little bit more of an accessible entry point for a strong citizen to start getting active and building a strong town. Do you do you think that's true?
1: I totally agree, um, but I think that it's really challenging to figure out where to start. And that was sort of the impetus behind the Grand and Magnolia. Piece that I wrote. Um, so, Grand and Magnolia is an intersection not quite in my neighborhood. It's just the next neighborhood over. So, maybe a 20 minute walk rather than a five minute walk from my apartment. Um, it is a notorious intersection. You know, as you mentioned, almost everyone feels comfortable talking to their neighbors about, wow, I just drove down this particular street and I almost got sideswiped. I biked in this bike lane and it was a terrible experience. Grand and Magnolia is kind of that intersection for a lot of people in this neighborhood. It sits at the um, at the north. Yeah, I'm forgetting my cardinal directions, in the northeast corner of Tower Grove Park, which is a major park that hosts our farmer's market, all kinds of international festivals. It's a really happening, lovely, walkable park. Um, but it is at the intersection of a street that runs um, along the north side of the park, and a major strode, which goes into again, what we hope is going to be a walkable neighborhood um, where the bulk of our city's international restaurants are. And a lot of people tend to gather and go. It also is a block from uh, the Missouri School for the Blind, not one but two retirement homes, a preschool, like kind of every phase of life, every kind of accommodation that a person might need to move through public space. They are represented um, immediately adjacent to this intersection. And Um, Hmm. You actually challenged me, Rachel, to start asking some questions of my neighbors, what they would do if they wanted to see this intersection redesigned. How would they participate in that process? And it was an interesting um, challenge for me because my title is Director of Community Engagement. I've never worked in what we most commonly associate with community engagement, which is working for a CDC, going out, pounding the pavement, knocking on doors, um, that's not my background whatsoever. I engage the Strong Towns community online, generally speaking. So I was able to pull together a little poll of neighborhood associations and some of the um, adjacent businesses and communities around this intersection, and it was kind of a refreshing experience in some ways, because what I realized is, yes, people do have really strong opinions about how they want an intersection like that to function, um, how they want it to serve their particular needs. I remember I talked to one guy who said, you know, I have bad knees and the signalization for the crosswalk there isn't long enough for me to get all the way across. Mm And, you know, he has like a pretty much invisible disability. There are other people that said, you know, I, I use the bus and the bus stop. You have to cross. It's like the bus stops is not at the crosswalk and you have to often cross where there is no crosswalk or else walk a quarter of a mile out of your way. Um, but at the same time, almost everyone I interviewed, when I asked them what they would do to change it, they said, I don't know. Um, because I think we have a mentality in a lot of our citizens that asphalt is permanent. Um, I don't know who I would call to get a crosswalk shortened. Who does that in my particular town? Um, what's the citizen's Service Bureau. Uh, what is the streets department? What is the pedestrian coordinator, if our town had one? All these questions are kind of wide open. So they know it's a problem, and you can sort of see the hints at the solution that they are asking for. If they're asking, if they have a problem with crossing at uh, to get to their bus stop, they probably could use a crosswalk. But people don't always feel confident saying this is what I want. This is the design that would serve me. Um, They may not know what a curb bump out is. They may not have the same vocabulary. And it really highlighted the challenges for me of citizen participation and also the opportunities that we have when people who are not steeped in jargon, not steeped in a dominant way of looking at the way our streets are built, are asked to come to the table. And I was really excited after that piece came up, someone from our, our CSB, our Citizen Service Bureau, reached out to me and said, here's how we can make some of these issues. Jews, um, real, the things that people are asking for, we can do them. And I don't know that that would have happened without this article. And that was really cool.
0: Yeah. So what has been the local response? Cause I know that that was one of the results of this piece.
1: Right. Um, well, one of the responses I'm most excited about is I'm going to be going on St. Louis on the Air, which is our NPR affiliate local show tomorrow, actually. Um, cool. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm just doing a little B-roll segment for them. But um, it's reaching people in the media around here who are interested in sort of debunking this notion of um, streets are made by other people because streets should mm-hmm. be, could be, very much um, must be, I think, made by citizens and what they actually need and what they want. Um, And that doesn't mean that every single person needs to be an urban planner. Urban planners should think of themselves as servants of the the general public, and that's a mentality we're trying to change. Um, Yeah, I've gotten a lot of friends reaching out to me saying, like, this completely speaks for what I believe and this, you know, here's another need that I would love to see addressed in this area. And it's interesting that for me with absolutely no, uh, on the ground community feedback experience, I don't work for a CDC. I don't do, um, any of the really necessary work of getting out and, you know, getting information from my local government, I was able to get some insights that I think in like a few afternoons of research that I think that our city desperately needs. And imagine if the resources of a government were trained towards this kind of a project, it would be pretty cool.
0: Well, let's switch gears for a second to talk about the latest in the strongest town contest. Um, On Friday we released uh, the results of our first round and we now have our eight teams that are moving on. And those include, really quick, Twin Falls, Idaho, Pensacola, Florida, Kent, Ohio, Niagara Falls, New York, Muskegon, Michigan, Greenville, South Carolina, Morelia, Mexico, and Annapolis, Maryland. Um, how do you feel about the contest so far, Kia? Were there any surprises for you?
1: Yeah, you know, it's a hard one in some ways. I feel like we had some really, really killer entrants this year. And there were, you know, ones where I didn't vote because I was like, I don't know what what to go for. Annapolis versus Tupelo was a really hard matchup for me because I lived in Annapolis for a couple of years of my life. My oh, yeah, okay. my, my in-laws still live there. I visit there once a year and it's a really interesting place that has its challenges, for sure, but I think has done a lot of things right. But Tupelo's application, I've never been to Tupelo, Mississippi. It was a really strong one. And I'm sad that they were matched up against each other in some way, because I think they both could have won it. I could got a lot of these towns in the Sweet 16. Um, the, the Florida versus Florida matchup was a tough one. Pensacola versus Palmetto. Um Kent versus San Marcos was an interesting one. We have some towns that are like not necessarily of the same scale going against one another. I am excited for um, Muskegon versus Greenville. Muskegon's another town I've, I've been to a few times. I, I went to high school in Michigan, so it was a road trip stop on the way back to boarding mm-hmm. school every year. Um, and I, I think these matchups are really asking you some pretty serious questions about what makes a strong town. What scale of city can support strong development? And the answer is that any of them, any town can be a strong yeah. town no matter how huge and no matter how tiny. Um, but I think these towns all have different initiatives going on and different energies pointed towards their future. And I'm really excited mm-hmm. to see what, um, our members, in particular, are going to how they're going to vote. I, the strongest towns contest, I think, could be accused if you don't know the way that it works of being a popularity contest. You know, like I happen to live in Annapolis, once, so of course I'm going to listen, vote for Annapolis. But I don't see our members voting that way. I see our members really giving some real thought to what which yeah. town is asking the hard questions, which town is challenging themselves to do better, and which town is going to be the best role model for um, towns next year and throughout the year of 2018 and early 2019 for what it means to, uh, practice strong development because it is a practice, not a destination.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, the next round will start tomorrow, Tuesday, and this one involves each, uh, each town has submitted some photos that will, kind of walk us through different ways that they are strong with a little bit of explanation coming with each photo. So um, I think this is probably my favorite round. Um, It's a really cool way to get to know a place in a visual manner. Um, And it's also a little bit uh, quicker than the last round because that one people had some people submitted many paragraph answers to each of the questions that we put to them so this one's a little bit quicker Um, so if you didn't have time to participate in the last round definitely jump in on this one and take a look at the photos that these communities will submit starting tomorrow and like kia said uh, our member votes are really a big part of this we've weighted the contest so that 50 percent of the vote comes from um, or will be accounted from non-members and 50% from members. So if you're a member, we are especially valuing your perspective here. I'm looking at this list and I think any of them could, could be a contender for the end. Yeah, in previous years, we've kind of, we've, as staff, we've put together our own little brackets. Um, we didn't end up doing that this year. I'm, I'm very curious to see who makes it to the end. And it's fun learning Do you about you have a pick to take line. it all? Rachel, I'm curious if you have a, a well, front runner in mind. <laughs> I, okay, based on their initial applications, the two that stand out that have made it this far are Pensacola, Florida, and Niagara Falls, New York. Um, mm. Those were Those were two of the ones that stood out to me in their initial application. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, how everyone shakes out in the, init- or in the subsequent rounds because yeah. um, everything starts fresh each round. We're not, like, accumulating the votes or anything. So we shall see. Do you have a pick? Oh, no, I don't.
1: I mean, there's a part of me I always root for the underdog. I say as a Cleveland sports fan. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So Morelia, Mexico is exciting to me. I kind of like when an international entrant um, sneaks in there it always feels a little dark horsey um, but yeah I'm, I'm also interested in Pensacola because they're they're an unusual place I think they are like a critical mass of Strongtown's thinking they have hosted us for events they are really yeah. really engaged in our message they're writing about it in their local media a lot um, so it's not necessarily a Strongtown in the sense of like they inherited a fantastic natural feature like Niagara Falls New York did um, and they've done the right things to steward that natural feature and make sure that, um, development around it makes sense, but they are actually like working hard with what they've got and doing mm-hmm. some interesting things as a community, um, which is not to short sell Niagara whatsoever. Niagara has done some awesome stuff and I think they're a killer contender. Um, yeah. I'm interested in Twin Falls, Idaho. I've never thought about Twin Falls, Idaho before in my life. I have no idea what's going on up there, but I like their application and I'm, I'm excited to see what it looks like. My mental image of Idaho is just grizzly bears and like cattle. I don't even know what they have going on there. So it'll be an interesting, uh, that left side of the bracket is really, really challenging and will be very cool to see how it shakes out.
0: Yeah. So I wanted to close by asking if you've been reading or watching or listening to anything particularly interesting lately that you want to share with people. It doesn't have to be strong talents related.
1: I feel like most of the things I read are Strong Downs related anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, well, I'm in a book club that I really enjoy about, it's called Read the Streets and it's sort of urbanism, mm-hmm. urban studies themed as a book club, but we step way outside of um, that section of the bookstore for what we read. And right now we're reading The Warmth of Other Suns, which is, um, it won the Pulitzer a few years ago. It's the history of the great migration. And mm-hmm. it's been a really Read. It's like 550 pages, like really intimate novelistic style storytelling about three um, black Americans who moved from the South, and um, two of them went north to Chicago and New York, and one of them went west to Los Angeles, California. Mm-hmm. And it sort of um, highlights the human ways in which our cities have been reshaped over the course of history. And I've started reading it because of the book club, but it, ended up being a really interesting sort of counterpoint to all the Jane Jacobs that I am always reading. Um, I think I've mentioned on previous podcasts that last year I read all of Jane Jacobs' work in order. Now I'm working on a lot of biographies of her. Yeah. And one of the criticisms of Jane Jacobs is when she's talking about 1950s New York, um, she doesn't talk very much about the Great Migration and the way that the slums, to use her word, um, that she's talking about are shaped by the, like, demographic like cataclysms like huge huge events that brought like millions and millions of black americans into our cities huge influxes of population um and huge influxes in how we treated housing and it's been a really interesting sort of companion to my study of her work i've been enjoying it Hmm. a lot what are you reading I'm curious. Um,
0: Let's see. Reading. I talked about what I'm reading on the last podcast, so I won't um, repeat that for people. But one of the things that I've been um, listening to lately is I started randomly this podcast about foster care and adoption because that is something that I Hmm. potentially think about down the road several years for our family. So Hmm. um, that's been very interesting. It's like a world that I... I've never been part of, but kind of just immersing with this podcast. That's several different foster and adoptive parents talking about their experiences. So it's called Honestly Adoption. Great. Totally random. Yeah. Also, I've been rewatching The Crown because I'm obsessed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just watched the first episode of that. I've, I've never gotten into it, but it's because it's like my destiny to watch show like that. It's so marketed towards yeah. me. It's crazy. And I'm very resistant. Yeah. Um, it's me realize
0: it. that I'm definitely an Anglophile.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a fascinating like structure. You know, I, I do not spend a lot of time thinking about royalty and what it, like yeah. how it is involved in our governance. And I'm, kind of scared to in some ways because I feel like you know it's gonna raise some uncomfortable questions about the way that we govern in America and I'm I'm interested in that show a lot I also just like a period drama kind of no matter how you cut it you know I love Marvelous Mrs. Miesel that was my big watch this winter
0: oh yeah I need to watch that one that was really good all right. Well, let's wrap it up for today. But, oh, before I forget, I, f- I totally forgot to mention this. Um, so on the topic of the Strongest Town contest, we're going to have a Slack chat to discuss it further this Wednesday, March 14th at 11 a.m. Central on Slack. I'll post the info about how to join. But, yeah, if you want to just talk about how the contest has gone so far and which towns you think are going to make it to the end, um, which towns were surprises... And uh, any other thoughts, come on over Wednesday at eleven AM Central and we'll chat about that. Perfect. All right, Kia. Thanks so much for being on the podcast and good luck with your radio interview tomorrow. That's exciting. Yeah, Can't wait to hear about so it? Forward to
1: it. It'll be fun. <laughs> All right.
0: Okay. Good to talk thanks to you. Thanks everyone.
1: We need your help. If you think the strong towns message is important, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. You can get more information and sign up to be a member of Strong Towns at StrongTowns.org.